Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Even the language debate going on here is about more than he said, she said, and speaks to something really, really deep, something we're still talking about from 2016, which is, is this country ready to elect a female president? This is Sarah and Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. Welcome, everyone, to our Friday episode. So many things are happening. I don't even know where to start. We thought we'd do a nice, relaxed episode, address the Democratic debate, which we're going to do. However, impeachment went to puttering to liftoff real quick. So we are going to catch up on the developments with regards to Lev Parnas, documents related to Lev Parnas and Rudy Giuliani, the GAO report, all of that in the top of the show, and then we will cover the Democratic debate before sending you off into your weekends. So let's just start with a good Beth was wrong, because I remember <laughs> just on Tuesday saying, I don't know that there's much that could come out that would significantly aid our understanding here. And then along comes Lev Parnas. Now, I still feel very uneasy about this story. I have looked at the documents that Lev Parnas, who you will remember, is an associate of Rudy Giuliani's. 
His primary business, I think, was trying mm. to develop liquefied natural gas companies. In real estate? He dabbled in real estate. I, I don't really like using the word businessman. I don't yeah. really think that describes what he does, but we'll go with that. I mean, to be honest, did you ever watch the old Batman episodes from like the 60s and 70s where all of the criminals would be like slanted on the screen a little bit? They would just helpfully <laughs> turn the camera. I sort of picture Lev Parnas in a room where the camera is turned at an angle, <laughs> especially after reading that his company named Fraud Guarantee was so named in order to improve search results where people were looking up his last name with the word fraud. That detail was amazing. I don't know how to feel about any of this except to say that every new person willing to testify so far and every document transmitted so far from the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence is consistent with the overall story as we understand it. Lev Parnas, after the release of these documents, went on Rachel Maddow's show. We are recording on Thursday. There's supposed to be a part two of that interview tonight on Rachel Maddow's show. And I was really struck by this interview because I believe Les Parnas to be a particularly upstanding citizen. I do not. But listen, no mob boss ever goes to jail without the testimony of other criminals unless they just turn themselves in and confess. And the more we learn about Lev Parnas, Igor Fruman, the relationship with Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani himself, this is what this was. This was a shakedown. And my favorite part of the interview is when Lev Parnas was like, why else would I be meeting with these guys? Like, why would I be meeting with the leaders of the Ukrainian government if it was not at the direction of Rudy Giuliani and the president? Like, they knew what was going on. They knew that we were doing this to gather information on Joe Biden and his son in order to hurt them politically. It's Occam's razor, right? The most obvious explanation is probably the one that's right. Um, I read a really great New York Times profile of Rudy Giuliani that we'll link in the show notes. And this particular writer was saying, you know, this idea that how do we go from America's mayor to this? Well, it's we didn't go anywhere. He's always been like this. And I love this excerpt. He said, these are not men of vision, but men of appetites. They are typically unrefined and streetwise. They practice their populism with a knowing wink, issuing fact-indifferent, emotion-based appeals to their constituents while focusing with impunity on consolidating their power, satisfying their hungers, and enriching themselves. The evolution of the modern media facilitated their rise, and the unregulated platforms of social media have now eliminated the final barrier to their ascension. Without Twitter, I think we'd be lost, Trump told Rush Limbaugh just this month. We wouldn't be able to get the truth out. Oh, my gosh. I cannot imagine a better summary of the story that Lev Parnas is telling and that reveals who Donald Trump is, who Rudy Giuliani is, and how they were working together. I read that profile of Giuliani as well, and I thought that what was most clarifying about it was identifying shamelessness as his animating mm -hmm. principle. Mm -hmm. and. I do think that is what's going on here, especially because I'm open to other narratives, but none are being presented. The answer from those who are defending the president 
is always a sleight of hand. It's something about process. It relies entirely on you believing that Democrats are worse in every way than Mm -hmm. Republicans, and that's all that matters. There isn't a counter narrative to weigh against any of what's come out. Robert Hyde has become a new character in this story, a person who was texting through WhatsApp with Lev Parnas about the whereabouts of Marie Ivanovich. And Parnas was very dismissive of Hyde in this interview with Rachel Maddow. I spent an alarming amount of time looking into Robert Hyde's life, which I don't suggest anyone else does. I don't know enough to say whether he is a person who is healthy and well overall. And that concerns me in just figuring out how to talk about this. But it is clear to me that the company being kept by the president and everyone close to him is disturbing. And there isn't anyone who can provide an account that seriously calls into question the account being provided by the House Intelligence Committee. They're just Mm -hmm. not. There is not a compelling in any way or even credible counter narrative here. If you are asking for something beyond Democrats are the worst. I think Robert Hyde is reflective of the open door to people with money strategy that was running the Trump administration. Lev Parnas, Robert Hyde, even Rudy Giuliani to a certain extent, most certainly, oh, I don't know, all these Russian oligarchs that keep popping up, are reflective of the pay-to-play nature of this administration. You know, they came in, they were outsiders. It's not like they were filling their ranks with the Republican establishment. And because everything from the top down is transactional, if you give money, you have influence. You see it with Sondland. I think you see it with Hyde. You see it with the way that Lev Parnas and... Igor Fruman needed money, and so did Rudy Giuliani. You have this Russian oligarch come in and fill that void um, because he needed something from the Justice Department. He needed to stop the investigation that was leading to his extradition. So I just think you see this driven-by-power approach in which power often means money. And so I, I, do be- I think I do believe Lev Parnas, when he was sort of like rolling his eyes, like Robert Hyde was always— over the top, you see me kind of blowing him off because he got it, you know, but then you're like, well, then why would Robert Hive had access to Hyde have access to begin with? Well, because he was giving money. The same reason everybody else gets in. And the thing that makes it impossible to completely dismiss those text messages is that they are consistent with everything else we know. Mm-hmm. We know that Ambassador Yovanovitch was suddenly and late in the evening recalled from Ukraine and told that it was important for her to come back urgently in a very unusual set of circumstances. We know Mm -hmm. that the president of the United States told the president of Ukraine that she was going to go through some things. Again, there's just nowhere to go. If you're trying to find the opposing perspective here, where do you land? Other than Senator Susan Collins very clumsily has this week saying things like, well, I mean, if there are other witnesses, I guess the House didn't do a very good job. Okay, well, do we care at all about what actually happened here and the gravity of it? That's my question. Do we care at all about that? And perhaps the answer is no. And perhaps the best thing that can happen in America is for the, the blatant partisanship 
animating Mitch McConnell and this whole thing and his strategy of just accusing Democrats of that instead of responding to the allegations in front of him to be exposed for exactly what it is ahead of a major election. Maybe that's the best we hope for. Well, if you are really struggling to listen to Lev Parnas and other less than upstanding citizens, then may I encourage you to turn to the report from the Government Accountability Office, a bipartisan agency that reports to Congress that released a report this morning, Wednesday, as we record, that the Trump administration violated the law by holding the aid from Ukraine over the summer. It is difficult to read because it is written by lawyers at an office whose purpose is to look at the detailed records of spending in the government and match them up to somewhat arcane and detailed statutes and regulations. But if you just read the beginning paragraph and the final paragraph, you'll have it, which is Mm -hmm. the president doesn't get to just decide that he wants to spend money differently than Congress says. And that's what he did here with Ukraine, and it broke the law. And it is constitutionally significant that the State Department and the Office of Management and Budget won't answer our questions about it. That's the Mm -hmm. gist. And that is very strong language from the GAO. Yeah, and to me, it's just another thing. How are these particularly moderate Republican senators going to ignore all this? You know, Rand Paul's trying to hold them hostage and saying, okay, well, you'll have to vote on calling Joe Biden and Hunter Biden as witnesses if you want to call any witnesses yourself. And I'm to the point where I'm like, call that bluff. That's right. Fine. Call them. Who cares? Go ahead. Joe Biden said he'll testify. Go ahead and call them. And listen, if we need those witnesses to be called in order for America to see this as a bipartisan examination of the facts, to find the truth, then go for it. Do it. That is fine with me. I mean, if America needs Ben Matlock to come in and ask all these questions, I don't care at this point. I just want everybody <laughs> to understand what's going on here. And I don't hold out even the tiniest candle of hope that this president will be removed from office by Congress. I do not believe that will happen. I do think it is important for people to pay attention to how this process is unfolding and how their elected representatives vote and what those people care about. And so whatever it takes to get the information in front of everyone, I agree, let it come out. If there are seriously people who are this concerned about what Hunter Biden might have to say under oath, great. I am more interested in seeing someone like Lev Parnas under oath than I am seeing him on Rachel Maddow. I don't care Mm -hmm. what Rudy Giuliani tells Fox News. I would tune in to see him swear that he is telling the truth under penalty of perjury. I mean, I think... We're at a place where we need to stop litigating this in the media because that is always won, as this Times Magazine piece points out so shrewdly, by the person who's willing to be the most shameless. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, to govern this whole thing in the Senate, we have to have rules telling senators actually to stay off their cell phones and sit in their chairs and not talk to their neighbors. <laughs> Well, they are human beings after all. I also desperately want to hear from John Bolton. Again, words I never really thought I'd say in my life. I would have been more than happy for John Bolton to fade into obscurity after the Bush administration. But we need to hear from him, like badly. Well, we'll see what happens. I have no idea. It's going to be starting in earnest, as Senator McConnell says, on Tuesday. 
We don't know how much we will learn about how any of this is proceeding because another controversy bubbling around it is press access. We'll link in the show notes an article about that. I think that it is extremely important that members of the media be able to do their jobs covering what is going to be a historic event, whether it's one we're proud of or not. And I want to know what happens. I want to be able to follow it closely because I think it's important. I don't want to get sucked into the drama of the coverage of it. I just want to see what unfolds when people are sworn in and when senators are on the record asking their questions presided over by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. I mean, any way you slice it, this is a big deal and it needs to be Mm -hmm. covered that way. Next up, we're going to move on to the Democratic primary and discuss this week's Democratic debate. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. 
And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. In case you thought that 2016 was far behind us, the top stories of this week have been, is Donald Trump a criminal deserving of removal from office? And is America ready to elect a female president? <laughs> well, you know, done is just not available in a lot of issues. And that's where we are. It's fine. These are issues you know, are not it's done. fine. I feel like we're just, we're still working through some things and we are making a small amount of progress. I don't feel like we're just yelling about the same things over and over again, that the conversation is developing some depth with regards to both subject matters. And I'm going to take that as a win. I like your optimism about it. So Thank I think you. we both agreed that this most recent debate, which did highlight some some very old issues all the way around, was not as illuminating as the previous debate. I feel really guilty about this. Like, I feel when I went on Insta stories and I was like, I am bored. I feel bad about that because after reading Politics is for Power, the book I talked about on Tuesday and thinking about, like, you know, the reality show aspect of this current presidency and politics is entertainment. I don't want to show up and be like, entertain me, Democrats, dance monkeys. You know, like, I... I don't want to be like that. And I don't really think boring is probably I think you phrased it better. It's not that it was necessarily boring. It's that it was it was the same conversations we've been having at a lot of these debates, at least during the actual debate itself. I think there was a small moment that has continued to grow into a wider controversy slash conversation that's been helpful. But the debate itself was a lot of rehashing and straight up. I missed Andrew Yang because I feel like he always pushes the conversation in a new direction when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to economy, when it comes to trade, when it comes to foreign policy. And I I, I missed him. I'm going to be real. And I miss Senator Booker as well. I mean, I think this mm-hmm. debate definitely shows that less diverse spaces are never going to be superior to more diverse spaces. And this was a very clear example of that. It's not only that these were the same questions. They were worse conversations about those questions. So mm-hmm. if you are new to this process, I understand that these debates are not set up for people who watch every single one of them, and that's fine. But if you are tuning in for the first time, I seriously hope that you made that decision for the PBS debate, not the CNN debate, because it just it everyone's energy was down. You can tell they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. I don't fault anyone for this necessarily. It just wasn't as helpful. Yeah. And the moderators were kind of like flat. I didn't feel like they were really pushing the conversation in new ways. And the way they kept shutting them off for time was really disruptive and not sort of delicate at all. So I didn't love that either. And I think everybody was ready to hear a conversation, an honest conversation about the conflict that had been reported in the media recently between Senator Warren and Senator Sanders, which was that in 2018, they had a conversation in which he reportedly told her he did not believe a woman could win in 2020. I found his answer to, did you say this or not, disingenuous, the idea of like, well, who would say that? No, I wouldn't say that. Nobody would say that. That's not true. People say that shit all the time. 
liberal feminist women have said that to my face. I don't think a woman can win in 2020. We've had this conversation on the podcast. Worry about yourself. Do you want a woman president? That's all that matters. Worry about yourself. Don't worry about your neighbor. And so for him to just act like, I just can't believe anybody thinks that, to me, was like, it felt real flat. I want to go back to the moderators for one quick second and say that I think all the preparation for this debate went into that foreign policy exchange that kicked the debate off, which I did find helpful. I thought it was one of the better discussions of foreign policy that we've seen. And I thought Wolf Blitzer did a good job probing some of those foreign policy issues. It was all downhill from there. And I have to say, I was not waiting for an honest conversation about that. I think this whole thing serves absolutely no one. And leads to the absurd outcome that Senator Sanders spent more time talking about whether a woman is electable than either Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar. I just think it is completely unhelpful. I was really frustrated when he said that. I did find her answer very, very effective. She basically rejected the idea that her answer is either complain about sexism in the election, which never goes well for female candidates, not because that's fair or just, but just because we live in the patriarchy, or rejected the idea that women candidates face hurdles. You know, women are in this double bind. And she took a really great approach, which was to say, hey, the women on this stage have never lost an election. The men on the stage have lost 10 between them. And 2018 showed that women stack up really well against Trump politics. And so let's talk about that, that I can win. Because that, you know, I hear this all the time when I talk about Senator Warren, which is I like her. She's energetic. She's charismatic. I like her plans. I particularly love her plan about student loans. I just worry if anybody else will vote for her, if everybody else should be scared away. And so I think that her addressing it as a female candidate head on like that in a really new way was great. I thought she did a really great job answering that. The trouble is her answer to that question is not why people are tuned into this issue. Most people are turned into this issue for the drama of whether Bernie is lying or she is lying or a staffer cooked this up for somebody's political gain. And that's why I think this is all so bad for the conversation about women in politics. I think it's so distracting for this primary. I think the last thing this debate needed when we are facing the issue of zero people of color on stage after a historically diverse field was two white people arguing about who said what in a conversation about women being electable. So I just, I'm I'm put off by the entire thing And I don't have any questions. I don't mean to be ugly, but I don't have any questions about how Bernie Sanders views women and people of color. I just don't. I think Bernie has done a lot of good in his career for a whole lot of people. I also think he believes that because of that, he has graduated from this conversation, Mm -hmm. that he doesn't have to learn anything else. He doesn't have to listen. And how dare anyone accuse him? And when Mm -hmm. you believe you've graduated from learning about inclusion, you are very, very early in the process. It's it's like the definition of sophomoric, right, about these issues, because there is so much to learn. You could spend lifetimes learning and not have learned about all the experiences different from your own. And so this just reinforced to me that Bernie is not going to be particularly worked on 
in terms of what it's like to have an experience different from his own. And that Senator Warren is always going to have a polished, professorial approach that that similarly highlights her certainty about the world. And that's fine, but I already know that about these two people. And I would like to move on from what feels like such a wealthy white person conversation that doesn't help anybody else. I totally agree that Bernie acts like he's graduated from the conversation. However, I really disagree that most people were tuning in to find out who was lying. I don't think there is a lot of space in between Bernie saying, I think a woman is going to struggle against Trump in 2020, which is what Elizabeth Warren says he said. And and his sort of answer to that, which is, I didn't say a woman could never be president. Well, that's not what she said you said, with love. And I the reason I do think this particular, even the language debate going on here, is about more than he said, she said, and speaks to something really, really deep, like I said at the opening of the segment, which is something we're still talking about from 2016, which is, is this country ready to elect a female president? And I think it is, I think it would still be something we were thinking about and struggling with if there were no women on that stage. I think because of the results of 2016, not just Trump winning, but Hillary winning the popular vote, him winning the Electoral College, his abysmal approach to women, the accusations of sexual assault, the Kavanaugh trial. I just think there's so much wrapped up in how people feel about women running for president, not just their own personal stereotypes and prejudices, but these events of the last few years that she has got to talk about it. That is central to, I think, the issue of her electability. And electability is driving people in Iowa and New Hampshire and all across this country. I think people like her and like her plans, but are so terrified of the idea of a second term of Donald Trump that she does have to speak to this. Are you too socialist? Is he going to attack and be terrible to another woman like he was to Hillary Clinton? Can we all sit through that again? Can you overcome it? Like, I just think that is a lot of the emotional baggage we are all carrying around right now. I'm sure they're carrying it in Iowa. I know I'm carrying it. I hear it from people all the time. And so I think that this conversation with Bernie, who I think probably carries the same baggage, let's and quadruple it because he ran against Hillary Clinton. And I'm sure there's a big part of Bernie that thinks, if I'd have been the nominee, I would have won. Of course he thinks that. That's why he's running again. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I think there's more to it than just a linguistic debate that is all drama and doesn't get us anywhere new in this conversation. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. 
I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. I think that's right among some people. I just, the tenor of the media coverage of it has really mm-hmm. been like, who's telling the truth here? And what do we think about the fact that that Abby Phillip from CNN made it very clear who she thinks is telling the truth? I mean, her questions yeah. did not that leave That was an interesting space. choice. It was, an, it was a choice. And, and I don't care about that choice. You know, I care about the conversation that you are discussing here. I do not think the debate stage is a great place for that conversation. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I think the most compelling new information, and not even new, but just clear and digestible information I'm getting about these candidates right now is coming from the New York Times publishing the the transcripts of these editorial mm-hmm. board interviews. If you really feel like I do not know who to vote for, I think that is a much better place to start than the debates. And that is the kind of format that I think would serve Senator Warren, Senator Klobuchar, and Senator Sanders best in talking about what do we really think about this question of electability and and what does it mean here at this point in the Democratic primary process 
we are down to two women and all white people. And one of the major stories right now is about whether a woman could beat Donald Trump. Well, before we wrap up that conversation, it's important to point out that there was a hot mic moment after the debate. Elizabeth Warren approached Bernie Sanders. He held his hand out. She refused his hand and said, I believe you just called me a liar on national television. And he was like, what? I believe you called me a liar on national television. He said, oh, let's not do this now. Let's talk about it later. And she says, anytime and walks off. So, you know, it was a pretty intense moment. They are reported to have had a long relationship and a friendly relationship. So I think for her to approach him in that way is reflective of the fact that she believes he did say that to her in 2018. Fun fact, I also believe he said that to her in 2018. I just think he's being accused of saying something different anyway. But the media has breathlessly covered this exchange as well. Here's what I believe. I think he probably said it, and I think he probably did not intend it the way that it's coming across, and that's Mm -hmm. the problem. It's much less about the words that were exchanged and much more about the intention behind them. And he believes his intention should triumph because he's Bernie Sanders. And look at his record, right? And, And that... That exact tension plays out in, I don't know, 95% of the conversations I've ever had in my life about sexism in business. And so it totally makes sense to me that that's what's going on here. And I just feel a lot of grace for both of them about that moment because I do Mm -hmm. think this is hurtful to both of them and pretty raw. And the stage of a presidential campaign is a terrible place to be navigating interpersonal dynamics that have probably been under the surface for a lot of this relationship. And I think that's some of what you see in that moment, too. Um, So I choose to focus on, instead of analyzing these people to death and judging them for that exchange, I choose to focus on the gift that is Tom Steyer awkwardly hanging (laughs) around it and then saying, I just wanted to say hi, Bernie. (laughs) I just think that part is amazing. Bless him, Tom Steyer. Well, let's leave all of you for the weekend on a positive note as we had this and continue to have this difficult conversation about women in politics, which is after many, many decades and past technically the legal deadline, the Virginia legislator passed the Equal Rights Amendment. So exciting. We've had members of the Virginia ERA on the podcast before, and we'll put that link in the show notes. And um, it's so exciting to see Virginia become the 38th state and officially pass the requirement to actually make it a constitutional amendment. But it is a smidge complicated legally. Which is, I hope, something that will become relevant enough for us to take up in a lot of detail again in the next year or so. We will be here with you through... Whatever happens next week. And I just don't know what it's going to be, everyone. And I don't either. We'll do our very best here on Instagram, on Patreon, on Twitter, all the places. If you have specific questions, feel free to send them to hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. We'll do our very best to answer them. And until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise.
We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Our executive producers are Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, David McWilliams, Joshua Allen, Linda Rucker, Martha Bernatsky, Melanie Cravey, and Tiffany Hassler. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.